Hello and welcome to another episode of the Book of Sports, Season 2. It's a podcast, two Christian sporting nuffies talking about the relationship between sport and faith today. As always, I'm with you. My name is Tim Schooler. With me is my co-host, Nathan, conference attendee Brewer. We are still at the Book of Sports conference, which other people know as Reach Australia conference, but uh, we know why we're here. We're in the Book of Sports conference sessions, second session. We filmed this, I recorded this last week at the time of listening to you, at the time of publishing, I should say, because we don't know when you're listening to this. this. We could be in a big time machine. 20 years into the future mm. and someone is listening to this yep. and just for a split second thought it might have been recorded last week and got very confused <laughs> it was recorded a week before it is published yes yeah and even that mm. nathan is yep. just off what i expect is going to happen yeah i don't know the future i'm as one of our beloved mentors has said i'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet <laughs> and i work for a non-profit organization mm. yes Thank you, Don. Thank you, Don Carson. Yes. Um, now, we're going to be discussing the... Uh, we're going to talk a bit of AFL mm-hmm. because it's good times to be talking about AFL. Uh, we don't know what exactly what the ladder is going to look like at time of publishing, but at time of recording, we're in a very, very interesting situation in the tipping comp. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the conference session we've just had around serving and mobilising people for serving within churches and how that uh, links. I've got a few thoughts Mm. on the difference that I've seen in serving at footy clubs compared to churches. Mm. So speaking of non-profit organisations, shout out to the Penn Hills Demons. (laughs) Big polarity between church and the demons, but Mm. you know, you can live in both worlds. That's right. And uh, and then I'm going to hear your thoughts on today's session. So plenty to get into. Let's get into uh, the AFL tipping. Yes. This can be your obscure stat for today, Nath. Um, <laughs> so this is after round yes. nine. Yes. After round nine, it's it's quite remarkable. So yeah. Jono Brayshaw, Andrew Brayshaw, on a wing and a prayer, his team name, centre bar hack, myself, yep. all on 52 mm. points. Now, I'm coming third out of those three because my margin is a whopping 339 points. I think what happened is I tipped Collingwood last week by 100 points (laughs) because my finger hit the wrong thing. I was doing it on my phone. And um, (laughs) so I ended up getting the margin wrong by like 150 points last week. 148. 148 wrong last week. That's going to be... That's probably the biggest margin error (laughs) of all time. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb there and say... On a wing and a prayer. (laughs) But yes. top three, all equal, 52 tips, mm. uh, which is an average of 5.8 per round, mm. which is, I would have, th- well, it's not bad, Yeah. but I would have thought that at this stage we had, we were someone who was averaging more than six, mm. I reckon. Yeah. No, it's not always the person who knows things about AFL mm. who gets those, those tips, but um, like if someone just tipped the favourites each week, they'd yes. probably... They're probably above 60. I've yeah. gone for a few roughies yeah. and some of them well, backfired. I know Jono pretty well, and um, that's his general strategy. So he's just going to pick the favourites, um, and it's a good strategy. You guarantee top four. Because there's always a few people who are a bit too big for their boots who are 
taking some obscure obscure tips to try and stand out from the crowd, and and they do that each each round and end up a long way behind. So I'm thinking Jono is a and pretty then you, and good representation. Then you and it's a it's a self defeating cycle, right? Mm. Because once you start behind, then you feel like you need to get a few sneaky uh, yes. wins. Yes. to lower ranked sides. You're coming uh, in seventh place, Nathan. Correct. Yep. Now, seventh place... Not bad. Sounds all right. Top seven. Yeah, not bad. Considering there's only seven, <laughs> less good. Uh, but 48 tips. You're only four behind, yeah. right? There's yeah. there's two good weeks for you and mm. two bad weeks for a couple of others, and all of a sudden, you're right in the mix. So yeah. everyone's right in it. So let me encourage you all to keep tipping. Mm. Um, uh, and I, I've, I was reflect, reflecting on this through the week. I think I've tipped the Swans every single match. Mm. Which suggests that it's there's belief. not all that much rationality going into my, my <laughs> thought. The Swans are not favourites this weekend mm. against Carlton. Mm, yes. Uh, it's close. It was close though. I think it's the like Swans a... are paying $1.94, Carlton yes. $1.90. Yes, that's exactly right. Yep. And uh, not that we endorse betting. No. Shout out to Centibet. Does Centibet even still exist? I don't think they do. I think they Bet folded. 365, Bet, Tab, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sportsbet. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I actually did uh, some. What's the thing called where they give you money to give, ask your opinions on things? Oh, oh um, focus groups. Focus groups. Did yes. some focus groups. Uh, not with your lovely wife Nathan, yes, though no. she works in this area. Uh, but I did some of that for Sportsbet. Yeah. Uh, around you, you will notice that they now have a logo with a green tick on it. Mm. And I was doing some focus groups work for them. I felt a little bit funny, to be honest, about doing yeah. focus work group uh, for a betting company. Yeah. I didn't know exactly what it was about until I got into it, and I thought, oh, okay, yeah. this is slightly funky. Yeah. Anyway, 48 tips for Nath, yeah. 52 for the top. It's anybody's game. Yeah. Get into it. Make sure you st- stick on it. And uh, when at time of listening to mm-hmm. this, you will definitely know whether Swans beat Carlton. Yeah. Because it will have happened just how long ago, depending on how many years <laughs> in the future you listen to this. So uh, it has been a good the Book of Sports mm-hmm. AFL tipping comp, yeah. and we encourage you all to, to keep tipping on that. Now, Nathan, we've just been talking about the uh, serving part of church. I've got some thoughts on yeah. footy clubs and churches and how mm-hmm. serving happens. Mm-hmm. Well, we wouldn't call it serving, and that's yeah. part of my point. Um, reflections on the last session that we've had at Reach Conference, how it applies to the world of sport. Yeah. yeah. First, let me say, I think my obscure stat for the next episode will be, what would I be coming if I didn't? forget to tip that one week because I maintain I'm as good as anyone in this league at tipping I just had a mental blank and, and left and left a week out anyway one of the things about this conference Nathan, has been listen to the hard data right anecdote is not enough to sustain healthy practice so listen to the data what do you serving. got for us reflection serving yes I think as I think about sport and I think about church it's to succeed in both, especially in team sports, requires sacrifice. Yes. It requires empowering others to succeed. And as I'm thinking about my favorite NBA teams, as I'm thinking about rugby leagues, I'm thinking about AFL, the, t- the problems they run into uh, is that often it revolves around one or two people. Egos grow. They want, their, they want to be on a winning team, but they don't want their role to diminish. They want to be on a winning team, but they all want really high salaries, which are unaffordable. They want to—they want everything. They want to win, but they don't want to make any sacrifices of their own, uh, and they don't want to empower, empower others. They want to be empowered. They want to get everything they want, and yet they also want the team to succeed. And so, um, 
yeah, so that session, empowering others, uh, laying down your own preferences, humbling yourself, putting people in positions that maybe you would want to do because you think you're good at it, uh, but yet empowering someone else to do it means that you're not the bottleneck and you're not the person that's stopping things from growing because you're trying to do everything and have your hands in all the pies, you're trusting others, you're empowering others, you're maybe putting yourself in positions that you're not that comfortable with to enable others to thrive, and so it's sort of the, yeah, it's the it's a it's backwards in, in the way that we think about it in the world and often how sports stars think, you know, it's your, you want to be, ironically, if you want to be successful, you want to empower others and you want to put others in position to succeed. And then you, yeah, you're putting others first. That, that's the key. Which is not, as you say, that's not particularly intuitive to us. Although mm. I think there is a recognition in the world mm. that actually there's something helpful about that. Like mm. you can imagine a TED talk and somebody rocks up and says, actually the skill to succeeding more yourself is empowering others. Like I can imagine a TED talk mm. yes. that does that. And I think the thing that is really counter-cultural, certainly isn't necessarily intuitive, is the fact that we use this word serving, right? Mm. Now we're in church land, Nathan, yes. and we the story of our life revolves around church. Mm -hmm. And so we are very, very used to this idea of you know language of serving. Mm. My guess is for someone who isn't in church land and doesn't hang around church, they hear the serving and they go, that's a weird word to use, mm, yeah. right? I mean, the idea of being, it, probably the first thing that comes into your mind is, isn't that what a platter does? You know, like that's where I put my cheese and biscuits when I have guests who come over. Uh, or it has, sort of has connotations of, uh, you know, waiters in sort of mm. black, black tie dinner suits. Um, or you link it to the word servant mm. and you go, that's a lowly thing and yeah. servants and slaves, yeah. which are essentially the same thing historically. Mm. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's a bad thing and I don't want to imagine myself in that sense and that I, I imagine it would be a negative thing for my mm. conception of self to consider yeah. being a servant. Like why do we use this word serving in the church? And I, I was comparing and contrasting it, right? Because I play at a footy club yeah. and there are jobs to be done at footy mm. and that's how you talk about it. You know, yeah. We're on jobs this week. Mm. That's that's how it gets spoken about. Yeah. Not we need people to serve this week. You wouldn't use that language. You say we're on jobs this week. Mm. And the logic of that is, come on, guys. We're part of the club. We're part of a big, something bigger than ourselves. There are things that need to be done. Everyone's got to pull their weight. There's a job that you need to do, and so there's a bit of a a guilt and a shaming process that says, mm -hmm. "Look, you've got to do your bit." Yeah. And the same thing happens at footy clubs. that happens in churches that there are 20% of people who do 80% of the jobs, yep. and who are a little bit resentment, <laughs> resentful and grumpy about that. And in our worst days in the church, that's that resentment and grumpiness is there as well. Mm. But I think the the wear on jobs yep. fuels resentment, mm. as in because the ones who do the jobs are the ones who are helping the church. Yep. Uh, sorry, helping the footy club. Yep. Serving language says the very nature of who we are before God is that we are servants. Mm -hmm. Christ carried his cross mm. to Jerusalem, to the, to the hill outside Jerusalem. He calls on his followers to carry their cross. Like we are servants of the kingdom. And the crazy thing about this, you're talking about how the, what you're talking about is not intuitive. And I think the, the, the really unintuitive thing about serving is that it's a joy to serve. It's a joy to carry your cross. It's a blessing to be counted as worthy of suffering 
with Christ. Not that all serving in church is suffering, yeah. but it's the posture of someone who is willing to suffer and willing to joyfully say, yeah, mm. I'm, I want to take this on mm. and, I want to, and I want to do this and it's a privilege to do this. That's the church's best. Mm. And so you're not on jobs doing tasks because someone needs to do it. You're saying, no, it's a privilege for me to be a part of what God is doing in our midst. Mm. Serving is a wonderfully Christian concept. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I think, and 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 Jesus says, I mean, he's quoted in Acts twenty thirty five, is more blessed to give than to receive, yeah. and there's something, yeah. there's a joy yeah, and a blessedness and, and, like, to just, serving. Just stop and listen to mm. it. Jesus. It is more blessed to give than mm. to receive. Mm. That is not true in most people's minds, mm. but it is true. Yeah, and not in a sense, not just in a sense that. Will I feel good about myself? But no, actually, it's the contribution to others mm. that is the blessing. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you look at footy clubs, you look at churches. It's the people, the people who enjoy it the most and are the most invested and get the most out of it, are the people who are putting the most into it. And yeah. so we actually do know that that's true um, when we actually go and live it out. But yeah, just on the surface, just the sheer words themselves can seem a bit counterintuitive. But um, yeah, when you actually go and live it out, it's, it's way more blessed to, to give than to receive. It's way more blessed to serve than to sit on the sidelines and to be served. And, and um, yeah, and we see it in any context when there's a culture of people serving one another and looking out for each other's interests, things hum along really well. And then you go into a culture where people are looking out for themselves and want to protect themselves, uh, and things get ugly and get ugly quickly. And so um, we, our lived experience is true, but it, it's just... Yeah, it's it's hard to believe almost when you when you see it on a page. But once you start living it out, and and I love that all the most powerful, influential church leaders you can think of, the Apostle Paul, James, who is the brother of Jesus Christ, calls himself a servant, a servant yeah. of Christ, his yeah. brother. Yeah. yeah, and so and Christ himself, yes, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's the servant. Yeah, um, I'm preaching on Acts chapter four this Sunday, and the early church praise to the sovereign lord and they talk about your holy servant jesus mm. twice your holy servant jesus your holy mm. servant jesus holy you are set apart from everyone in the world and yet your holy servant mm. like that's the the counter world in a picture you know yeah. um christ the servant paul the servant james the servant uh and which is part of the privilege of us being servants and mm. serving is that we we get to join our saviour mm. in the wonderful task of helping the body yeah. and loving the, the body of Christ and, mm. and loving the church. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think uh, just who, and who are the most beloved members of footy teams and churches? It's, it's the people who do the jobs that no one else wants to do. I remember yeah. Canberra Raiders had a guy, Ranger, well-loved guy called Alan Tung because he'd make 50 tackles a game, barely ever scored tries. Didn't do anything, but any dirty work, any tackles, any loose ball on the ground, he'll pick it up. You know, it's and and those are the people that um, the people are actually drawn to. People who yeah. just anything that needs to be done, the dirty work, the nitty gritty stuff, the the non pretty stuff that just has to happen to succeed. Those are people that people look back on really fondly. It's not always the people who are out the front and being glamorous and, and scoring all the goals or doing doing whatever. It's yeah, the ones we look back on most fondly are the ones who, who served diligently and humbly. Yeah, or well, to come back to the AFL example, there's a guy at the Swans, and I can't think of his name, mm -hmm. um, but was 
he would be in there in the rooms in the middle of the song. He'd be like, he was like 85 years old or something, right? Mm. And he'd just, he was there, he'd give players drink bottles and he was just there to, to be a servant because mm. he loved it. Yeah. And, and I think people like that have tapped into something where they recognize that the, the posture of a servant is actually, there's something God given about that. And there's a beauty in that. And you're not there to gain status and you're not there to gain power. You're not there to gain influence. You're there to experience the joy of giving. Mm. And in a church context, you know that you're giving in such a way so that you help people to love Jesus more and see his church in action. Mm. What a privilege. Mm. Mm. It's awesome. You it's wouldn't awesome. miss it. Yeah. It's been a good conference, Nate. It's been really good. We've got two more days to go. We've got one more Book of Sports conference sessions, uh, which we'll record tomorrow, which will be... Uh, as you listen to this, I mean, this is going to test us now. As you listen to this, which is published <laughs> next week from the day that we record it, the one that we record tomorrow will be published next week, yeah. which is two weeks from yeah. as we speak. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Lots to jump around with. Thank you for listening to <laughs> us for the Book of Sports Conference sessions on the Book of Sports podcast. Catch you next time.